Hello everyone and welcome to Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labour and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Cynthia Chung, partner at Deakins in Hong Kong. Here on Employment Matters, we bring you updates from around the world as we dial in our local ELA lawyers. These good folks practice on the ground in jurisdictions around the globe, working daily to help their clients. Today, we're going to be chatting with Kohei, Senior Associate as Yusujima and Partners in Japan. On the program today, Kohei is going to be talking about the amendment of Japanese data privacy law, which has a considerable impact on entities that share employees' information on a global basis. So thanks for joining us, Kohei. How are you today? Very good. Thank you for having me today. Wonderful. So let's jump in. With this new law, perhaps you can just start off with briefly explaining the recent amendments to Japan's personal data law. Yeah, sure. So Japan has a comprehensive data privacy law called the Act on Protection of Personal Information, which is called the APPI. And there was a significant amendment to the APPI in 2017, which provided that the APPI should be reviewed every three years. So in 2020, the government published the amended act and it went into effect on April 1st this year. So although the 2020 amendment made several important updates, there are three key points. First, the amended law established a new concept of personal related information and regulations for handling such information. I will discuss the details later. Second, the 2020 amendment stipulated a duty to report in the case of data breaches. Before the amendment, the APPI only set forth a duty to endeavor to report to the authorities and data subjects. However, under the new law, it is a statutory obligation to report if there's a great risk to individuals' rights and interests. A related ordinance specified four cases that have such a risk. One, data breaches involving sensitive data. Two, data breaches that are likely to cause property damage. Three, data breaches conducted for wrongful purposes. And four, data breaches of more than 1,000 individuals' data. So this is the second key point. The third key point is the 2020 amendment established a new obligation in the case of international transfer of personal data. The APPI has stipulated that those who transfer personal data outside of Japan must obtain consent from the data subject. In addition to this, the new law established obligation to provide the data subject with information about the destination country before obtaining consent. Specifically, the data exporter must inform about the destination country's legal system for protection of personal information and the security measures taken by the recipient. So these three are the key points of the new law. I see. So you mentioned the concept of personal related information. I understand it is quite a unique concept in Japan. So perhaps you can explain what is personal related information and its related regulations? Sure. So the statutory definition of personal related information is a little bit detailed, but simply put, it is information about individual that doesn't identify a specific individual by itself. Typically, it includes cookies, IP addresses, location information, or website browsing histories. 
So even if those who handle the personal related information cannot identify a specific individual, some third party may have a data set that links the personal related information to a specific individual. For example, some third party knows which cookie belongs to which user. So in order to cope with such cases, the 2020 amendment established regulations regarding personal related information. Actually, these new regulations were triggered by an incident that occurred in 2019. A company, let's say company A, operated a portal website for job hunting, where it analyzed users' browsing history on the website, calculated the probability of each user's declining a job offer, and then sold such information to companies that subscribe to company A's website. So it's like the probability of user number one's declining your offer is 30% or something like that. So company A could not identify a specific user on its own because it only obtained user's cookie information. However, the participating companies were able to link the cookie to a specific user and learn the rejection rate of the specific user. So the authorities considered this incident problematic and decided to regulate the use of personal-related information. Under the new law, if a recipient of personal-related information can identify a specific individual, such a recipient must obtain its consent for obtaining the personal-related information. And if the recipient is located outside of Japan, it must provide the individual the same information as required in the case of international transfer of personal data. Also, those who provide the personal related information must confirm in advance that the recipient has obtained the consent of the individual and provided the necessary information. So this is the overall regulations of personal related information. Thank you. So how does the 2020 amendment influence entities that have business bases in Japan? Yes, so there are three points corresponding with the key points of 2020 amendment that I mentioned before. So first, entities need to confirm whether they handle personal related information. As happened in the company AIDS incident in 2019, a lot of entities used a service that made use of personal related information for recruiting, and such entities faced strong criticism and reputational damage. Now, businesses are more dependent on technology for such operations as recruiting, HR, advertising, marketing, and I feel many of them are not aware of related data privacy laws and face the risk of inadvertently violating them. So, Entities need to review the services and technologies that they are using and check whether they involve personal related information. Second, entities need to check whether they have a sufficient internal system to cope with data breaches cases. Now that there's a legal duty to report data breach cases, entities need to prepare an internal system for it, like the reporting lines, persons or departments in charge and the conditions for internally reporting the cases to executives. This year, several clients asked for our advice on updating their internal rules for information security. And the last point is that entities that transfer personal data outside of Japan must comply with the new obligation to provide the data subjects with necessary information about destination country and the recipient if they need their consent for the data transfer. 
In my experience, entities that advertise using SNS, such as Facebook and Instagram, are not aware that they may be sending personal data to overseas server, like the server in the US, and fail to comply with these obligations. So entities must double check whether the services or technologies that they use involve international transfer of personal data. Well, it does look like that. Many of the audience here may need advice and maybe review their policies as well, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay. So, you know, apart from Japan, I understand that you're also familiar with data privacy law outside of Japan. Are there any important global trends in the data privacy area in your view? Yeah, so for the last several years, countries all over the world have established comprehensive data privacy laws or updated their existing laws. Among others, I would like to focus on the situation in the US, the EU, and China. First, US. So the US doesn't have a federal comprehensive data privacy law, and some states have enacted their own state laws like the CCPA in California. However, the U.S. is moving to introduce a federal comprehensive data privacy law. This June, the U.S. House of Representatives Energy and Commerce Committee voted to send a bill called the American Data Privacy and Protection Act, ADPPA, to the full House of Representatives. It should be noted that there are steps to be cleared before this bill becomes law, and it might go through many changes in the process and we need to keep an eye on it. Second, EU. It is well known that the EU has a comprehensive data privacy law called the GDPR. Under the GDPR, in most cases, international data transfer is allowed when the data exporter and importer execute a data transfer agreement called DTA based on standard contractual clauses, which is called SCCs, that are approved by the European Commission. The commission amended the SCC last year, and any new DTA executed from September 27, 2021 must be based on the new SCCs. Also, existing DTAs must be replaced with the new SCCs by December 27 this year. The point is that the new SCCs require that the parties analyze the impact on data privacy caused by the international data transfer from the EEA, considering the details of transfer, the laws and practices of the destination countries, and so on. Um, This is called uh, Transfer Impact Assessment, uh, TIA. So companies that have subsidiaries in the EEA and internationally transfer personal data must conduct a TIA before executing a new DTA. So this year, we have worked on researching the laws of more than 60 countries and jurisdictions to assist the clients with TIAs. Finally, China. So China has three major laws in the field of data privacy, the cybersecurity law, the data security law, and the personal information protection law. Similar to the GDPR, These laws require the execution of a DTA based on China's original SCCs and TIA for international data transfer. The Chinese government released a draft of the SCCs in June, in this June, for public comments. Also, in this September, the government also enforced the rule on impact assessment. 
So I feel that these days China is developing a series of rules on international data transfers. So we need to keep up with them. Indeed, very much. You know, in Hong Kong, of course, we're very concerned with the various laws enacted around the world, and particularly、yeah. in China, because there's so many data flows in between Hong Kong and China. So I definitely share your sentiment. <laughs> so, as as a lawyer, as you know, familiar with the laws and privacy, what do you think should global companies be aware of when it comes to global trends? Yes. So, as I mentioned, the global trend is towards stronger restrictions as to international data transfer. And global companies often share data of their employees or customers within the group, and such data transfer is also subject to data restrictions. My perception is that countries are more inclined to require a TIA and a DTA based on the analysis of internal data flows and investigation of the legal system of destination countries. In order to satisfy these requirements, it is necessary to have a comprehensive picture of intra-group data transfers. I mean, what kinds of data and whose data is transferred from which country to which country is important, and also the quantity of transferred data or retention period or the storage location is also important. The work to analyze them is called. Data mapping and data mapping is essential for global companies to timely respond to the continuous updates of global data loads. On Japan's side, the Japanese government also places much value on data mapping, and Japan's Personal Data Protection Commission released a model data mapping table this month, October 2022. So, if there's a company that has not done data mapping, I would strongly advise it to start as soon as possible. Indeed, you know, to to avoid being falling foul of the law, I think the first step really is mapping out, you know, where these data transfer, and then what laws then become relevant when、yes. it comes to this kind of data transfer, right? Yeah, okay, that's really really useful. Thank you so much, Kohei. It's obviously a very complicated area of the law, and you know, when it comes to employers. We know that they could be a big issue if we don't handle the employees' data or other data, sort of personal data, carefully. So, thank you so much, Hoey. Um, I'm sure many audience will have a lot more questions, and if you do. Please connect with Kohei by clicking on his bio in the description of this podcast. You'll be able to get the best expert on this area. Also, please search on the ELA website at ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars. Download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive global employer handbook. Once again, thank you to you, Kohei, for a very comprehensive and informative session. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labour and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Cynthia Chung. Thank you so much for listening.